This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. The thing that I think is most important at that point, if we decide to implement some wellbeing, is to ask ourselves the question, how does that bit of advice fit for me? That's Rob Edwards asking a very important question that he thinks we should all be asking far more frequently than we do. Rob is my guest today on Central Station. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik. Rob Edwards has been inspiring audiences for decades with his message that encourages people to look after themselves first, and that is in a way that ultimately benefits others. A little bit like putting on your own oxygen mask first before helping others. In the world of education these days, the pressure and expectation are certainly mounting to the point where it's easy to forget about looking after yourself, which then affects other things in our lives, such as how effective we are as teachers and how we interact with our families. Rob brings a wealth of experience from interacting with just about every industry you can think of, and he does so in a way that's practical, easy to listen to, and entertaining. Rob will be speaking at the 2021 Western Australian Primary Principals Conference. I caught up with Rob in the lead-up to find out a little bit more about what educators can do to make sure they're looking after themselves. Rob, you've got a long history in education, and we were just talking off mic a moment ago about the the charity that you run where you actually provide uh, solar energy for remote schools. So before we jump into well-being, which I think is, which is a very important topic, let's just quickly uh, go into that history there for a moment. Uh, yeah, there's um, there's probably two halves to my life. One is it's Time Foundation, where we put solar in remote uh, Fijian schools. So they're schools that either have no power or they have. Uh, usually they might, they might have an hour or two during the day, but most often they'll have maybe three hours in the night for the teachers' quarters. The teachers are usually in the school precinct. So we put solar in, so they get 24-hour power, so they can move from blackboard to computer education, and the money that we save on diesel. Um, creates a cash flow to buy those electronic resources, to buy the computers. So uh, the last school we did liberated about $12,000 a year to buy computers, which is is pretty significant when they're going from from none to some and it's ongoing cash flow. And uh, we saved a little bit of carbon as well. And and the kids, um, and we set up another little program now and we're trying to expand this right across Fiji where the kids spend 15 minutes each week picking out plastic so they feel a part of the, the solution to sure. a more sustainable sure. world. So we've embedded that in and um, and we're introducing that to, to Australian schools over the coming months as well on a platform we built. Yeah, now you've just mentioned diesel and that they only get power for certain times of the day. I, I mean, for, for us here in Australia, it, that might sound, or in uh, you know metropolitan cities in Australia or you know uh, areas that aren't totally rural or completely remote, so what you're suggesting here is that the diesel turns off at various times of the day. Oh yeah, it's quite precious and it's and it's budget driven. So that last school, for example, would have run that saved the twelve grand one or two hours per day, and they I think were running four hours in the night for the teachers' home. So that's a quality of life thing for the teachers to make it it's a little bit attractive for them to go uh, there. So that'll run between. Four and uh, six and ten at night, then it cuts off. I'll give you another example of a school that we did. That was the regular situation three weeks of the month, and the teachers would contribute to buy a drum of fuel each week. They take turns to to buy the fuel, but they never had enough money for the fourth week of the month. Oh. <laughs> so there was no power at all for the fourth week oh, of no. the month. 
That's, so. ex- that's extraordinary that, that's, that that exists and just not too far away from where we are. I, th- I think, well, it's an extraordinary work that you're doing. Um, and I'm, ass- yeah. I'm assuming, therefore, you have uh, a, a unique insight. I mean, th- those, those communities that you deal with would give you an, a unique perspective in the world and also with the, the sheer volume of teachers and principals that you come across in the line of work that you do. No doubt you would be a fantastic barometer for what's going on in the world of well-being at the moment, and particularly as we, well, I, I was just about to say, are coming out of COVID. Well, in Sydney, we're just kind of going back in, and I think there's going to be this on-off thing going for a while now. I wonder sometimes, you know, we, we do talk a lot about people's well-being in these crazy times. I wonder sometimes whether we talk about it so much that well-being now is just a little bit of a well, it's a little bit of jargon, maybe it's a little bit of a buzz, like a buzzword. Is it a modern thing? Is it a thing that's come out of this this pandemic, this this crisis? How do you, how, what's your take on that? Um, yeah, I, I think what you're saying is correct, but it's certainly not a mod- modern thing. You know, it's been with us since man's been man. And and my involvement, I won't say how long, is <laughs> pushing towards three decades. <laughs> um, but there's a, a really fundamental thing around it that can get missed. And I had a, <clears throat> it was probably a bit of a life moment um, that caused me to to do the stuff that I do and, and whether it's teachers and SAS conferences and principals conferences or it's corporate work and so on, is I'd, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd spent five years working in a cardiac rehabilitation program. So I worked with people who, like on the podcast here, are just going about their normal day's activities, but they'd had a heart attack and their life was, you know, turned completely upside down. Yeah. Um, super fantastic job. Couldn't wait to get out of bed every day. Um, great job. But we also worked with, uh, some elite athletes, triathletes and swimmers and so on. And you observed that these cardiac patients were often as motivated as these athletes. So yes, it was a wonderful job, but it really brought home that it was much better to be motivated at the beginning and be good at avoiding illness than it is to be good at getting better from it. Yeah. And the number one and the, the sort of the, the life moment, and I wrote a book around this, um, was that it wasn't the people who set out to make grand change and take on big projects and programs that had the most benefit and, and, and put in place the most change. It was the ones that got the little day-to-day stuff together. So whatever audience I stand in front of, I frame it straight off and say, look, I'm not going to stand here for an hour or two dumping a whole bunch of content at you because this is not, that's not rocket science. It's not about knowing what to do. It's about doing what we know. Mm. <clears throat> and I'll give them a bunch of, well-being examples but they'll relate back to uh, whether it you know equally apply to whether it's parenting relationships being a school leader support staff reducing our environmental footprint making a difference in the world whatever it is that's important to us yeah it's going to boil down to the little stuff that's important yeah and the, and the challenge that i give to people i say to them the primary challenge of when i'm standing in front of an audience is when you walk out of this place is to be thinking about what's the little stuff in our lives what's the low-hanging fruit that we can reach out, bring into our lives day to day that's going to improve the quality of our lives, help us live the life that we want to live. Well, something I've noticed in the uh, the corporate environments that I've been involved with uh, is that you you tend to get emails these days telling you to look after your well-being. So, uh, you know, if you're working from home, go for a walk, you know, catch up with friends uh, or, you know, here are some programs that we're doing to manage people's well-being. And sometimes I wonder whether that's a bit 
kind of disingenuous. You know, you just flick me an email and I wonder whether they then think, oh, well, we've done our responsibility because we've reminded people about being uh, careful with well-being. From your perspective, how do, we, how do we make sure that we do then actually give that the attention that it deserves? So I read the email and, you know what, I mean, if you've got a busy email inbox, right, you know what it's like. They just they, they, yeah. they scroll off yeah. the screen and then it's out of your mind and then you think, oh, that well-being thing, I think I thought about that two weeks ago. How, how, do, we, how do we make sure that things like yeah. this become sticky? Yeah, there's a couple of things about that. One is, <clears throat> one is yep, to recognise that it's not rocket science, that this is, this is not difficult stuff. Two is not to get involved with what some of people on my side of the fence as educators about it do, and, and we're ratbags and we're saying, this is my program, this is my book, this is how you do it. And there is a, a commercial driver to do that because if I've got a unique product, I can sell it. Yeah. Um, but saying, hey, this is just really basic day-to-day stuff. It's a harder thing to actually sell. Um, <clears throat> so that's one of the dangers because there's all sorts of new programs and new ideas and stuff coming through. But the real advice hasn't changed a, a great deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, thing that I think is most important at that point, if we decide to implement some well-being, is to ask ourselves the question: How does that bit of advice fit for me? So we're, we're saying the education sphere, for example. So you've got a whole range of people. You've got, you know, uh, leaders, SAS staff, teachers, admin, and so on. But within that spectrum. Some of those people are young people who may be athletes, some may be doing tertiary study, some may be going home to, you know, um, three kids, some might have just become a grandparent and they're, and they're about to retire, etc. We need to implement the change how it fits me. And that's just a small self-discussion at the beginning to see how it's going to work because we're all different. And if we get that right, we'll be doing the stuff for a long time and not having to think about it day to day. And actually just yesterday, I spoke on the um, Sepler Principles Conference and, and there was a comment about you know, fitting an exercise in these manically busy pressure cooker lives of, of you know, school principals, yeah. and particularly in that the special ed environment. Um, and one example I use is that, okay, it would be lovely to say, hey, when you have your lunch, go for a walk for 15 or 20 minutes uh, each day. Freshen your mind up, get some exercise. You've got five exercise sessions. Now, everyone's going to tick that off and say, well, yeah, it makes sense. But most people are going to be too busy and fall off the edge. Yeah. So you say, well, okay, let's identify that work day. What I could do during the morning is to jot down on a piece of paper three or four phone numbers that I know I, w- that I would have made the call in the morning. Yeah. Have a bite to eat, put my earbuds in, go and make those calls while I walk around the block and yeah. come back. So I have no productivity impact on my workday. But each week then I've got uh, five exercise sessions put into place. So, and then if we get that into a habit, it just rolls on. So yeah. that whole exercise piece is then, is, is then ticked off. Um, and another one is a sort of a mindset, mindset thing that I, <clears throat> I said to them as well, and I, I say this to all groups actually, is that, that when we finish our work day, the trick is to look at our desk, or if you haven't got a desk, that's a you know, metaphor for your workplace, is to point at it and say, <laughs> stay, stay there. <laughs> and if we can put a clean cut between that thing that we call work and we call home, we're putting in place a solid work-life balance yeah. tool. Yeah. Now, this flicks back because I, I gather there'll be some teachers listening to this to this 
podcast to say, now, how does that fit me? Now, the reflex response there from some is, well, hang on, hang on, you don't understand. We need to do marking yeah, and so yeah, on at yeah. home. And okay. we, we identify that situation, so we apply that as best we can. And we say, okay, I've got to do some marking on the weekend. I'll put a fence around that. So I'll do that between 11 and 1 o'clock. I think I can fit it in in that time. I'll hop it over that fence. I'll do the work and I'll hop back out of it. Yeah. That's a simple mindset thing around how we how we place work. This is an example, how we place work and how we place what's not work. And a, a, another example of that I use, um, you've got me going now, Colin. <laughs> well, <laughs> the examples of what we I listen for. I think this is quite a useful example. I I recommend to all people, all my audiences get this little back care chart, which is which is for a couple of reasons a good good idea. Now from a from and I suggest that everyone, all of us, roll out of bed and do five minutes of back care exercise, ten minutes if they want, every day. Now, <clears throat> from a physical perspective, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a health and lot. Health and lifestyle appraisal program, and we see at least sixty-five percent of people have back pain. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting up straighter just as you're explaining it. Everyone does. Oh, I'm just going to adjust my, my seating position here. <laughs> Keep going. It's, it's lovely when you see four hundred people all straight. No, when you mention <laughs> it. Um, but the point is that that yes, it is important from a physical perspective um, to avoid back pain if you've got a crook back to get better. But if you every day hop out of bed and do five minutes of back care exercises, the very first thing that you've done in your day is acknowledged that you are your most important asset. Yeah. You have put yourself at the top of your day list and said, you are important, I'm going to do some self-care around that. And the third point why that's a good example and a good tool is a, a guy stood up in a seminar a few years ago and he said, could he say a few words? And I, I said, yeah, no problem. He said that he'd seen me speak 10 years beforehand at uh, the Marriott Hotel on the Gold Coast to the Australian Building Codes Board annual conference. Wow, that's a good and he said for 10 <laughs> Yeah. Um, he said for 10 years that he had had this chart and he was going to replace it with his new one at this new <laughs> company. Um, but he'd done it every day and he said that his back felt fantastic, but that's not why he stood up. He turned around to his mates and he said, if you think this is difficult... This is all that you do. You turn your clock five minutes earlier. Yeah. That will not impact the quality of your sleep. And then for three months, just do it. And then it'll be like in the afternoon, like it'll be like in the morning having a wee or having a piddle. You get to the afternoon. You can't remember you did it, but but you actually know you did it. So yeah. you've embedded this new. And, and I think that's a, it's a really neat example almost a metaphor for the other stuff that we do if we look at the how of putting it in and the why then at getting it done it works so so in this little conversation we're you know that busy administrator for example has got their five exercise sessions in they're doing some back care every morning they're trying to put a split between their their work and not work and and the easiest one of the lot colin that i share with people is that all of us when you leave work this will <laughs> Take zero seconds, zero <laughs> okay, seconds. When good. you're walking, walking to the car or bus or whatever it is that gets you home, or if you're at home, uh, you're walking out your door, is have a think about how am I going to step into that next phase of my life? So you might be going home to you know, to kids, for example. Yeah. So you pick, you're sitting on the lounge, you know, one kid says, oh, yeah, yeah, mum's going to be home in 10 minutes. And the other one says, yeah, I, I just can't wait. 
I love it how she comes in every day and tells us how crap her day was. Oh. <laughs> how much? Oh, no. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all we, done it. We, yeah. Oh. Is to that, that little bit of acknowledgement that it's highly likely that when we step into that room, we will assume the role of manager of that environment. Yeah. And all it is is just a new habit to make the decision that I'm going to try and bring that up rather than flop it down each day. So, so there's a couple of examples there. It's really the, yes, do the examples, that's fine. But it's about our approach to it and thinking, well, how do I embed that in as my daily habit? And once we get it, it just ticks away. And I it can, yeah, look, I can imagine people listening to this will still be saying, that sounds great. Do you have any idea what pressure I'm under? <laughs> and there's this... Yep. There's this initial hurdle that people have to overcome. And I, I wonder sometimes whether, I mean, look, I think it's fair to say that the education sector is under a lot of pressure. It's often in the media. In fact, there was an article just recently by a particular columnist in uh, the Sydney Morning Herald who was explaining just how awful teaching is and how much pressure there is and and and, and uh, you know how her, her daughter went against her better advice to pursue a career in teaching. And then people might listen to this and say, listen, I've got so much pressure, so much marking, my, you know, my, my, my department is a pit of vipers and you're telling me to get up five minutes earlier and do some back exercises. Uh, do you, are there themes that, that, that come up across various sectors? I mean, you would, have, you would have dealt with a number of sectors. If you think about the education sector, what, what kind of things spring to mind? Yeah, a, a couple of things. And um, just, to, just to go back to your comment there, probably the most common things that come out of of my stuff after we finish or we lean on the post afterwards having a yarn is that, oh, yeah, I can do five minutes. I can go for a walk around the block rather than being told to go and jog for an hour, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is to make it more accessible, flicking it back to, again, to us to see, now, how can I embed that in? We can't get away from the fact that we need to eat well, get some physical activity, get some rest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's how we do it. Um, your question, um, we absolutely teachers and, and education administrators are under more pressure. I, was, I did a talk a little while back there for the James Busby um, high school staff development day and we're leaning up against the post afterwards with with the dp and a couple of teachers and just having a yarn and and what the the point was from from this teacher was that it's really difficult to just be a teacher anymore and and cherish <laughs> what they're doing because of the pressures that are coming from they did identified the pressures that are coming from the parent end as well yeah and from from the um from the system and the amount of reporting and curriculum changes and all that sort of stuff and you could really feel this yearning for just let me teach what I what I went to teachers college for to to actually do um so it's just purely observational from my perspective um is that yeah there is there is a lot more pressure on education completely aside from COVID um uh, just generally in the in the modern era and you know obviously in my position I haven't got solutions to that except of you know how do we look after ourselves within. sure let's come back to that the example that you gave of that gentleman who stood up at that conference who remembered what you told him 10 years prior clearly that had made an impact on him so i'm wondering there will be other people like that gentleman and i'm sure you've heard plenty of stories where it has actually worked for people if someone's trying yeah. to think about their life in terms of trying to think about their well-being and trying to improve that, but they've really got no place to start in terms of they've got no frame of reference, what are some of the what are some of the characteristics 
of people like that gentleman who stood up in that conference and looked at his looked at his buddies and said, "Look, you know, it's it's not hard." What are the, what are the characteristics of those people across the range of people that you've seen that make it easier for them to incorporate it into their lives? Are they, for for example, are they are they super motivated people? Are they the ones who are the the life of the party, or is it uh, well, it's always the quiet ones? Um, who, who are they? Um, from my perspective, my whole game is is about it. It's it's everyone how it fits for them. Um, to get an audience of super motivated people and athletes and so on, uh, sure, I'd take the gig and take the fee. Um, but you're speaking to the converted. It's really to get people to think back and say, how can I do that in the context of of me? And and I actually use some some really basic health examples that are hard to get away from. Check our skin once a month. You know, put it in your phone and it pops up in your phone and you go, oh, well, I'm not going to swipe that off. I'm uh, 30 yeah. seconds to potentially save my own life. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, almost an, it's almost a no-brainer not to do. And if we can get things started with some, some really easy stuff. Another thing I say to people is put a diary, put a diary note every year and get a checkup with your doctor. Yeah. Now, people go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And they do it. But I got an email back a little while ago from a guy in Christchurch um, <clears throat> that I'd spoken to a couple of years ago. And he basically said, I did it. I, the second time I went, I, this happened. They found this particular tumour. And he said, I probably saved my own life because oh, wow. I've taken control. Yeah. That simple thing. And there's multiples of that. I spoke over there, New Zealand, for a, a, a real a lovely group, really blokey group of hydraulic hose engineers. And um, and the CEO came back to me a couple of weeks later. He says, a dozen of these blokes went off to their doctor. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but our data, our metrics actually show us that over 50% of people who do that simple action will find something. And most of the somethings are small things like you know, elevated triglyceride or blood glucose and stuff, but things that people can nip in the bud yeah. before we're dealing with issues like I used to work with in that cardiac program. Um, it, it's, it's an acceptance that we all need to look after ourselves. Or we'll we'll go out earlier and we won't have the quality of life that we can otherwise enjoy. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah. So tell me, let me let me ask you something controversial. Then let's say you are a member of staff in a larger organisation and you feel that things are just getting on top of you and that the expectations in work are are, are building up. There's there's pressure. Look, to some people, this the answer to this question might be blindingly obvious, but for some, it might actually be really really difficult. And I'm going to ask you. Is it okay to look back at your employer and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's, this is just not right. It's just, this is, it's too much. It's, it's just, it's destroying me. We need to look at a different way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here for the cause. I'm here for the job. I understand the, the mission of the business. This is not healthy. Is it okay for people to say, no, I'm not doing that? Uh, well, I think they have to. If they can't do it, if they're at that point, they have to take that on in some fashion because if, as you described it, it's going to bring them down anyway. Uh, so at some point it has to be dealt with. And that would be a great question delivered to a friend of mine whom I had on my um, charity business partner drinks the other day for 20 minutes, Graham Cowan. Um, Graham um, is, is one of the originals and board director for Are You OK? Um, and those situations have to be addressed. They can't be just left in the corner and smolder. And we we're doing this. To, uh, most of the people on the call were solar industry people, 
And um, it was really interesting how the, the conversations came up that we have to have a conversation about yeah. that. That person may, their direct superior, for example, may not be the person that they're comfortable to have that conversation. It might be an EAP program, it might be a peer or someone, but, but they need to have that conversation if they're in that position. Um, I have to be a little bit careful. I don't specialise in mental health, but it is really important that the conversation is had rather yeah. than just sitting on it someday because that's when we really have problems yes and, and look we could potentially be straying into an area where, which is you know uh, reserved for people with absolutely specialist qualifications and let's not go down there but just from a very high level perspective just from a very broad perspective which which people which the everyday person could sort of observe and and maybe come to a conclusion themselves do you think there's enough support around are we doing enough let me answer that, but I'll do the politician's answer first. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I wanted to say, I often get asked to speak on uh, mental health things, and I was on a on a mental health um, panel for uh, for actually for the solar industry, again. And um, what I was there was to talk about this fundamental, um, basic health stuff that we've been chatting about today, and it is super important for our mental health to get those stuff right. Get that stuff right. There's tons of research around that. You know, if we eat well, we get plenty of exercise, plenty of rest, all that, all that sort of stuff. Okay, um, ask me that question again, Colin. Broadly speaking, for the person who hasn't done the in-depth research, who's looking for some help, broadly speaking, do you think there's enough things for people to find? Is there is there enough support? Is it obvious enough for people? I think it would um, would vary from sector to sector. Um, I think there is a lot of, there is, sorry, there is much more support about now than there was, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago. So we've moved in the right direction. Uh, oh, I think absolutely. And when, when you see people like Graham Cowan, for example, being fully booked as a speaker and book selling like crazy and, and so on, I think that is, that is the case. Um, <clears throat> but then it's down that micro situation of what you alluded to there before is how people can find that stuff in their particular environment. So if they were in a really, you know, an, an oppressive work culture and so on, yeah. they might find it really difficult to do that. Whereas one of the guys on this call the other day was a small solar installer. He's got 15 or 20 staff. Um, and, and he just clicked one day. He said, he said, we've really got to look at this because some of these guys are struggling. So they actually wear these shirts at a group um, sell where you've got floral sleeves on them. <laughs> you know, they're high-vis shirts with floral sleeves. And it says on the back, have a conversation. And all he did, he said, this is what we're wearing now. Yeah. And so if someone's got a bit of an issue, just open the gate. They can have a conversation. You know, take a day off or two. Go and find something and yeah. do it. So he created the culture where they could, you know, in that sort of blokey, tradey culture, could actually come forward and have discussions. So it it's on a really big spectrum of how the ease of people to get the help, but there is a lot more help out there now. And this is where you've got Beyond Blues and Are You OKs and, and yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Black dog and so on really coming to the fore. Now, look, I think that education is a wonderful profession. It's it's an it's an incredible opportunity to make a massive difference in people's lives that can then go on to contribute to the world. Unfortunately, it's marred by a lot of problematic media. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. There's lots of opinion, <laughs> and there's and there's you know all kinds of administrative things to complain and whinge about and then there's the pressure and then there's the widening expectation and it's no longer about the curriculum it's about the whole person and it's about mental health and it's about their social well-being and everything else 
yeah. which could which potentially creates this huge pressure cooker. So my my my, my final <clears throat> question to you then is: given everything that you've seen, what's what's your takeaway? Like, if you were to, if you were to just leave a bunch of teachers now and say, look, you know, this is the only amount of time I've had with you. What's your takeaway to them? Uh, just to quick back on what you said there before in that news article, I find that terribly disturbing. The person will be saying, look, I wouldn't want someone to go into teaching because teaching is so important. I always say to teachers, and I actually say this to nurses, when I when I start my seminars that I believe there is a personality trait on average in those people where they tend to put other people's needs in front of their own before yeah. they look after yeah. themselves. My takeaway is that if you're going to do what you do, and it's probably the most important trade in our society, is to be responsible for how our how children and our youth go out into the world, is we need to look after ourselves first and work out a way how we do that. So we flourish as individuals, um, mentally and physically, and then we can do this top of the pile, most important job, even though our, our society probably doesn't value it as highly as it should, um, is we've got to look after ourselves first to be able to do what we want to do and love. Rob, it's been an inspiration. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you very much. So how will you look after yourself? It's a question worth asking every day. If Rob's message resonates and you know a friend or colleague who would benefit from hearing this discussion, then please share it with them. For more information about Rob, visit his website, robedwards.co. And for more great stories from inspiring educators around Australia, make sure you subscribe to Central Station wherever you listen. This podcast is brought to you by Central. For more information, visit the website, central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Thanks for listening.